Springfield's Morning News. I'm Greg Bishop on 92.7 WMAY. And now let's talk Springfield with uh, Springfield Alderman Joe McMiniman joining us in studio. Alderman, it's always a pleasure to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Greg. The biggest news in our family is we have grandchild number two. Our daughter had a, a grandchild, uh, had a baby uh, a year ago, and now our son and, and his wife have That's just great. had a baby. So I'm coming back from Chicago after seeing our daughter for the our granddaughter for the first time. She was in NICU for a week because of some uh, water in her lungs and some related issues. She's out now, so she's uh, two weeks old, and so it's just a wonderful weekend up in Chicago. That's and great. Good if news. I, if, if there's, I'd like to talk about my drive back from Chicago. Sure. Yeah, that, that's fine. Uh, and you kind of you mentioned off air, you kind of took a little bit of a detour of sorts to go visit some places. Right. Um, I've got a, a sister-in-law who lives on a farm just north of Eureka, so I cut off um, uh, from I-55 at, I think it's called Route 116, and you go through Flanagan, Benson, then to Roanoke, then Eureka, where I stopped at their farm, had a coffee and a donut, or not a donut, but a, a, a uh, oatmeal cookie and a uh, good conversation. She just retired from teaching in uh, Morton High School, then went on to um, through uh, Peoria. And in Peoria, I went down the river route, um, and I stopped by the old armory where I used to drill, drill at, which has no roof anymore. It's in bad shape. Uh, I wish the uh, Army National Guard could kind of take care of their armories when they uh, demobilize them or whatever. Sure. But in, in Peoria, um, our son went to school there in Bradley. I just love uh, observing what I haven't seen in a while. Sure. So going through some of those small farm communities, the farm com the farm economy has been very healthy for seven or eight years. You see a lot of farms that have been, you know, uh, homes recited, Morton buildings added, uh, a lot of pride of ownership, that kind of thing, some new equipment. In Peoria, what I thought was interesting was I went through, um, then south out of Peoria, on what's called Western Avenue that then eventually I get down to um, Pekin, but going through South uh, Peoria, it's kind of, it reminds me of east half of Springfield. A lot of uh, older buildings, neglected buildings, struggling neighborhoods, and I drove some of the back, back streets and such. But what I saw on the main street, I think it's called either Adams or Jefferson, south of Peoria, I saw a brand new fire station, mm. and I saw new road being built and it was blocked um, in like a four-lane road and uh, new sidewalks new curbs and and I thought to myself well that's what we are kind of doing somewhat in Springfield with the new fire station yeah. at uh, at 11th and Ash and so it, it kind of brought back some good thoughts about what we're doing in Springfield that kind of gets us to the the mayor's race to an yeah. extent uh, I'm it's a good thing that we've got competition running for, you know in, in the mayor's race that's number one you want at least least two candidates they'll they'll um compete with each other they'll uh, challenge each other with good ideas well and it also bring up conversations that may have been dormant because there really hasn't been the the political back and forth uh, to that level but yeah misty busher over the weekend uh, announcing that she's uh, gonna take on uh the uh the the task of running for mayor uh and uh, we're actually gonna be talking with misty uh tomorrow morning at about this time i believe uh so looking forward to that conversation but uh, alderman you are termed out so you kind of have a different type of perspective Perspective here. Do you feel like uh, you're you're able to be more free speaking about the issues uh, more so than you have been? Because 
you have been pretty open in, in, in addressing a lot of issues. Yeah, there's lots of issues. That's why you run for office, because you care about the issues, and you want to see things go for the better always. And, uh, you know, Misty Busher, uh, she will be an interesting candidate. I think we have to take note of the fact that Redpath himself is not running. Donald's not running. Mike Murphy is not running. He went to the Chamber of Commerce. Tim Butler's not running. Um, who else? Mark Mahoney's not running. Misty's kind of... Um, a surprise candidate from that point of view. We'll see how she does. Now, she's taking a gamble here because she's leaving a safe seat to for a maybe. And if the maybe doesn't work out, who knows what she's got left. Maybe part of this run, she's received some promises of what's, what's ahead. I think Chuck Redpath, uh, a lot of folks don't realize that the deputy treasurer at the city government is, is Redpath's daughter. He, she goes by a different last name. So uh, apparently she's going to run for city treasurer uh that's so there's a clearly a motivation there for for um the red the red paths as far as the race you know it's tough to get a third term but i think uh you got to consider landfelder the favorite he's still young and you know relatively young for an elected official um at that level he's uh, in his early 60s he's got a great deal of experience he's been through some very difficult times we're talking about two years of no state budget with Rauner, right. and you know, things were really going um, ugly economically. Yeah, I mean, CWLP had millions and millions of dollars that were outstanding that the state had to pay. Absolutely, yeah. And then all of a sudden, COVID hits. Uh, so we had to, uh, you know, govern through that as well. And if we're during that budget impasse, 20,000 state employees afraid to spend money wow, yeah. in, in the city and afraid to lose their jobs and so forth. And, you know, COVID, as a leader, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. you got these tug-of-wars going back and forth of, right. do you mask up? Do you not mask up? Do you keep people at home? Do you uh, send police to go and break up a party if they're, uh, you know, out beyond whatever COVID regulations are handed down? Do you... Uh, address a, a business that might be having people serve indoors when you know the governor says no. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, really tough dis discussions that an executive has to have in that situation. So he's weathered some difficult times, which usually creates a better um, manager, a better government leader. I think, you know, for myself, you know, having been on the city council and now the twelfth year, generally speaking. Generally speaking, our you know they, our roads were in terrible condition 12 years ago. Generally speaking, our curbs, roads, sidewalks are in vastly better condition than they were 12 uh, months ago. There's been good continuity in city government, especially at CWLP. We we still have the lowest water rates in the state. No electric rate increases in seven years. We've built up significant cash at our utility to take care of environmental issues. And I'm not trying to be a, a super promoter here for a Langfeller. He and I do get along well together, I would say. Uh, he comes from a family. You are of the deputy mayor, right? I am, well, yeah, what they call mayor pro tem, mayor which pro means tem. If, if he can't make it, I'm, I'm there. We do talk. I think we've got uh, good relations. I come from a family of 12, a middle child. He's a middle child. You know, you, you get in that situation, you, you don't think you're, you know, hot stuff when you're, <laughs> when you're in the middle of 12, but you do eventually get a chance at leadership. And, and also, I think both of us value, um, well, he in particular, I have 
haven't been as successful as he has been in avoiding burning bridges. He really tries to avoid uh, breaking off um, communication. Now, some people, I've got too much here to say, uh, Greg. Some people say he's got a communication problem. I do not see it that way. I think, actually, with the public, he has an outstanding communication uh, uh, approach because he is at every committee, the whole meeting, yeah. sitting in the mayor's chair. I think he's the only mayor that attends every meeting. He's there to answer questions. Uh, he's there to um, explain as much, answer questions from the alderman. He does the town hall meetings in every ward. No mayor's done that. You know, he's at every, uh, I think he's done that six rounds of town hall meetings in every ward. His, his uh, sister puts out the news uh, uh, bulletins every Friday uh, to all the neighborhood associations and anybody who wants to be part of it um do you have to go to a break we do we do here soon uh and 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 when we come back i want to talk about the ward maps and a few other issues as well and, and the limited time that we have available uh drive time radio with uh, alderman mcminniman uh we've got to have you on for like an entire hour uh, there's a lot to talk about there's always a lot to talk about there's always a lot to talk about uh no question about it and we'll get to more of it coming up here with springfield's morning news i'm greg bishop on 92.7 wmay a short segment this segment i think we're going to come back for another longer segment with the springfield alderman uh, he, of course, is termed out. He's been in office for three terms, uh, so he has a unique perspective to provide. Alderman, we've got new ward maps you guys are going to be voting on tomorrow. And some last-minute changes. Uh, you, uh, Your ward's going to be impacted uh, quite drastically here. What do you think about these new maps? Well, ward 7 gets chopped up, uh, and I, what I don't care for is that the aldermen are chopping it up instead of independent um, uh, this um, regional planning commission, you know, they came up with their map based on without wearing a a, uh, a hat to prefer to prefer anybody. They just did what seemed logical and reasonable and created you know proportional population districts uh, f without trying to change any any one ward uh, dramatically. Well. Then um, some of the aldermen got in, into it. I think it's a bad idea for alder persons to write their own map. Um, I think in incumbents already have a huge advantage. And so when the incumbents write their own map, you know, a challenger can't write their map because they're not elected. So I think um, it, politically it looks bad. It looks bad like people are self-serving and uh, doing for themselves instead of allowing the process to be more fair and independent. So at any rate, yeah, Ward uh, 7... Uh, a big portion of it goes toward to Aaron Conley and um, lesser portion to uh, um, DeCenso. But as far as the, the elections coming up, the, the, the sequence is going to be that uh, candidates can start circling their petitions roughly in September and October. They file them in uh, November. Um, if there's um, more than uh, um, more than uh, four candidates, then there'll be a primary in February. Or I guess four or more, I think, is the rule. Mm -hmm. Then there's a primary in February. Then the general election is early April. So that's the sequence. Now, Springfield, unlike a lot of municipalities, because we're still under a, a federal order, everyone's up at the same time. It's not staggered. So um, you'll have all 10 aldermen, the city clerk, city treasurer, and the mayor's uh, up for election at that one time. Can we just, can I go, just go around the, 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 sure. uh, the horseshoe? So in Ward 1, you've got uh, Redpath. He's got a massive, uh, f he's got good name recognition, massive um, campaign, which he'll probably move over to his daughter running for, did we talk about that already? A little uh, bit, yeah, when we were discussing Misty Busher uh, announcing the city treasurer, announcing she's going to take on uh, 
um, at least try to take on the job. Uh, we'll see who else announces, but uh, uh, incumbent Jim Langfelder uh, could face Misty Busher in an election. But uh, uh, you're saying that uh, Chuck Redpath's daughter, uh, different last name, uh, is is the deputy treasurer and may make a bid for, for the spot? That's correct. So Redpath is maybe we're getting a, an attempted start at the Redpath dynasty. I don't know. But so, uh, yeah, uh, Chuck's daughter w is expected to run for city treasurer. We'll see who else might sur you know, surface for that role. That's going to be potentially an interesting competitive yeah. race. And then uh, you got uh, the, the clerk, uh, uh, Lesko. He's, he'll be going into his third term. We'll, uh, we'll see if he'll, he'll have any competition. I think he's well regarded and does well in the elections. But going around the circle, again, for Ward 1, you got Redpath. Big campaign finance. Uh, the uh, serial donors uh, have always given well to Chuck. In Ward 2, you've got a new alderman, um, uh, Sean Gregory. He's out there doing things. He had a unity run this past right. weekend, which I think um, was uh, well publicized. Well, it, it just created a positive um, uh, atmosphere. Yeah, I he think. did that along with the uh, the Sangamon County State's Attorney, Dan Wright. Yeah, and the super, uh, school superintendent was there and some of her staff and others. In Ward 3, you've got an appointed alderman, uh, Roy Williams. He's very active. He's out there. He's looking at the maps very carefully, seeing what, you know, what areas he needs to concentrate on. I think he'll run strong. Well, he was also very critical of the, the mapping process early on, wanting it to be as transparent as possible so that he could know where he's going to be working within those boundaries. Uh, and uh, one thing I've uh, noticed from observing uh, the city council, um, uh, you know, I listened to it the next morning uh, for the council roundup each and every Wednesday, but uh, one thing I've noticed is that he's very vocal and he's not shy of raising issues very similar to how you've been uh your your tenure so far alderman yeah he he's, he's been speaking up more often lately and yeah he was upset i mean he knew that uh bill houlihan of the democrats tried to redo the map after the independent non-gerrymandered version came out from the regional planning commission he was aware of that and that early attempt by houlihan to change the map around affected uh, some of the east uh side wards and they didn't like it and uh roy williams and i had the same attitude just let Let's go, let's not tinker with the map. Let's just, it is, you know, there's logic to any map the way you could potentially write it, but let's just go with what this independent group that was not nonpartisan, what they came up with. We should be doing that at the state level, at the, at the county level. You know, the Democrats do that at the state level. The local GOP did that at, with the county districts. Let, let's try to keep our city government uh, less partisan. So that he and I had that attitude, but ultimately um, it didn't go that way. And I think you'd have to say that, um, Hanauer, Donlin, Desenso, Aaron, and Redpath, um, they kind of put together six votes, and maybe Lakeisha is part of that, so they're going to kind of dominate what's happened. But uh, there's more. I haven't gone around the whole entire. Well, what yet. about you? I mean, you've got. You, you're not. You can't run again. Are you seeking somebody to kind of fill that spot? Are you going to endorse somebody? Do you see anybody on the horizon for Ward 7? If I was a younger man, you know, I'd wait for the next cycle, you know. Um, but I'm turning 70 in January, and by the way, you know when Mike, you don't look anything older than 45. Well, yeah, that's a disguise. You feel it inside. But um, <laughs> uh, when Mayor Houston said he'd be one term, yeah. you know, I seriously thought about, well, who's going to follow Mayor Houston? And, and Jim Langfeld and I would sit down together after some of the Houston uh, City Council meetings, and and uh, he was ready to go. And uh, I knew that he's got a family name and so forth, and he knows government. I mean, he's been sitting there watching. He's very patient. So I'm not going to. Um, uh, if he can do a, 
an equally good job, you know, fine. You know, that's that's good. But as far as your question, no, I'm I'm ready to be out of the frying pan. But I'd like to stay involved and come on to shows like, you know, Greg Bishop and talk about things. Yeah. Cause I think I do have some knowledge. But to do share. You, but do you know anybody on the horizon? Because uh, we've still got you know a, a, a little less than a year before the election. But is there anybody on the horizon that you see in Ward Seven that uh, you can you can support? There are some very good folks in Ward 7, and um, I, I wouldn't want to reveal their names because that's something they, they want to do eventually. And and I, getting back to the map, I mean, there's going to be two open seats, Greg. Uh, Fulgenzie, Ward right. yep. 4, and McMiniman, Ward 7. Two open seats that um, hopefully will get a lot of competition for those two open seats. I think those seats are very important for Langfelder. Some of the other aldermen have always been thinking about running for mayor, whether it be Turner, Redpath, Donlan, Hanauer, potentially even. Um, so they haven't always been helpful to the mayor. Um, and, and some others as well. So I think the mayor needs some folks that are going to be uh, more cooperative with Mayor Langfelder in what could be his third term. We're back live with Alderman Joe McMiniman in studio. Uh, Alderman, it's always good to have you on, and uh, there's plenty to talk about, so good to take a third segment with you. And let's now talk about uh, the uh, the state of the city and some of the uh, particular things you guys are going to continue discussing tomorrow with the Springfield City Council meeting. Uh, took some discussion last week, uh, but it dealt with a couple of pumps that uh, CWLP was looking to get, a total of $1 million. I think they said that was coming from the federal tax funds through ARPA. Um, but uh, talk about the, the, the St. Chris Lake's role in uh, Springfield's water future. Right. So, first of all, we've got these pumps on the south fork of the Sangamon River uh, where we put a dam. Um, and those pumps are about 70 years old now. Those those pumps and the dam were put in in the 1950s when our lake just about went dry. At that time, our lake was fed by just one creek. And uh, what the... Uh, the, the city utility people figured out was if we could pump water from the South Fork of the Sagamon River, uh, that watershed, that amount of water is four times the amount of water flow from the single creek that was feeding our Lake Springfield. And that's what's kept our lake full. We've, it's not, we don't have any problems uh, or haven't had any problems. And so, um, but those pumps are now uh, 70 years old. We got to replace them. Um, and when I saw the ordinance come to us, I saw that the, and I discussed it with our um, water division manager, Todd LaFountain, and, and he said that the pump capacity would be identical to what we put there 70 years ago. And um, that, that's the uh, second lake issue has always been um, on my mind, and I think it's one of my important no votes um, seven years ago. Uh, contrary to Mayor Langfelder, I thought we could get by without the massive amount of spending that would be needed for a second lake. And we're talking about probably in today's construction dollars, $200 million. We would go from the lowest water rates in the state to, you know, to, to some high water states. So I thought when you looked at the trends, our water use trends uh, at the residential level was flat to declining. Um, we don't have the industrial component any longer in Springfield. And then we were going to retire three of our f four coal-fired plants, which uses which used up about 20% of the water. So. Um I've always been thinking about, oh, how do we get by without having to build a second lake? Well, then what's happening, Lake Sandcrest, which is uh, almost adjoining nearby to the South Fork of the Saginaw River, it was built as a water-cooling lake for the Kincaid Power Plant, which is about double the size of, of our power plant right now. They're going to retire that in the next three to four years. 
and they've got a, a dam, it's a spillover dam, and so then the question becomes, well, does that mean we could take water from Lake Sancris, move it down the Sangamon River, and uh, then pump it fr- into our Lake Springfield and get even more water into uh, Lake Springfield and obviate the need for second lake? So that's kind of what the discussion was about. Do we need, do we, do we just replace our existing pumps with the same uh, gallon capacity of pumpage, or do we even beef it up? And so that's the kind of conversation I wanted to uh, have, and we did have it in part but I was surprised. I've always um, dug into this issue. I, th- I was friends with Tom Skelly, who was our water division manager for many years. He and I went to the same uh, high school. He was a couple of years behind me. And, uh, in fact, uh, when he was at the U of I, he roomed with one of my brothers at the U of I over in Champaign-Urbana. So Tom Skelly, he gave me a tour seven years, uh, more like, uh, uh, gee, it would be ten years ago, uh, of that uh, South Fork Dam and pumping station. I've always kind of thought about it. And uh, so I knew what I was kind of discussing last uh, week. In fact, I've got a friend who helps run the Kincaid plant, and he's been telling me, Joe, and he, this friend lives in Springfield. He's saying, get the Springfield officials talking with the owners of Kincaid and, 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 and learning about the ownership of that lake and the rights of that lake. DNR, the Department of Natural Resources, had a big say in, in that lake. And uh, so I've been encouraging the mayor to do so for about a year. And I, I hope we, we explore this um, further. But I was really upset that Hanauer spoke up um, sharply Uh, I don't think he knows the issues as well as I've tried to know the issues. And then, uh, or maybe it was Redpath spoke up, and then Hanauer calls the question, why do you want to shut off discussion about something that important? I was very disappointed in both of them for not allowing intelligent discussion to take place about such an important issue for our city. Well, I think uh, Redpath was the one that said, hey, we we pay these individuals a lot of money, a fortune, uh, and, uh, you know, I think uh, Redpath also said that we waste a million dollars a week uh, or something to that effect, uh, somewhat justified, just going ahead and, and approving these uh, million-dollar pumps. Um, but uh, Alderman Joe McMiniman with us in studio. Uh, this is just one issue that you've delved deep into, another issue you've delved deep into that we don't have time for today, and I want to get to it sometime in the near future. Uh, and pensions. maybe, maybe oh, oh, look at that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, he said the magic word, pensions, yeah. uh, which, uh, Alderman, you, uh, you've you been very adamant in, in highlighting this issue time and again about the increased unfunded liability the for pensions. Police and fire pensions. It's, it's um, doubled in, during my time on the council. Unfortunately, that's why I've been a no vote for 11 budgets because we just haven't uh, taken care of the debt. Well, well, we'll talk about that in the future as well. I greatly appreciate you taking time. Three segments with Alderman Joe McMiniman here, everybody. Uh, so we'll we'll talk again soon. Congratulations as well on uh, being a grandfather for the second time. It's great to be uh, in studios with Greg. I saw Jim Leach's back. Yep, He's back here. from vacation. Hello, Jim. Yep. He's across the window. <laughs> good morning. Have a good day, everybody. Hey, you t-